Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to 100000 plus a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was at that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC, which is amazing. West Mitchell. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina. On the recruiting front, still certainly plenty to talk about. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5. The Game. And welcome in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 The Game. Tyler Head and Wes Mitchell along with you in the Herndon Chevrolet studio. Thank you once again to Jeremy Smith 
from the Garnet Trust for hanging out with us for today's edition of the Garnet Trust. We got a lot of good insight into uh, what's going on with NIL, which is always kind of this ever-evolving conversation as uh, we we see more and more things about like uh, the collectives and and some of these coaches now going up and lobbying Congress, trying to to kind of wrangle this thing in a little bit. We know it's kind of been referred to as the Wild West over these past couple of years, and you know, see if anything can change and would be able to change um, based on what uh, Congress is able to do, I guess. Hey, yeah, which is a a scary sentence, the the last part of that there. But, yeah, appreciate Jeremy coming in and providing his insights. Uh, fantastic job by him, as always. Always great to hear from him. But, Tyler, I am glad to read earlier this week that uh, the collectives will be represented there, um, as Jeremy said, uh, various coaches will be represented. South Carolina will have uh, representatives up there as well. And, you know, I, I think anytime you get something like this, and, and, and this, I know it's easy to, like, uh, hate on Congress and stuff. I don't even mean that here. It, anybody who would be involved in something like this and would have to, like, if you, if you just got dropped in sure, and were like, hey, help us figure this out. You'd be looking around like, what the f- like? Yeah. How how do you how do you even start to think about sure. sort of m- m- kind of creating a roadmap here? Sure, that's gonna work for everybody. And so it, I think it's difficult for even the people who are in it on the day to day. So how can Congress, um, which again, you know, there's going to be people involved there that have their own motives um, that go well beyond, uh, you know college athletics involved as well. So I, I think it's a difficult situation. It's going to be very difficult to actually um, wrangle it in, you know, as you said. But I, I do think there has to be some approach that could that could maybe make it better than it is now. I, I, I think, for me, the most difficult part of it is that you, you remember two years ago when all this started. Yep. Um, and it was... I think the first NIL deal I saw dropped at like midnight the day, I think it was June 1. Right. And who was that? Was that Bo? Um, quarterback? It might have been. Let me double check. I, I think he was the first guy. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But it was kind of like everybody just were like, well, the, the day has come. There's nothing in place to uh, put any guardrails in. And so it wasn't one of these things where, you know, it was all completely well thought out and everybody was working off of the same rules and everybody had come to an agreement and then we're going to allow NIL. It was kind of like, oh, crap, here it is. Right. And so once you've kind of let it get as expansive as it is, then how do you then reel it back in? Sometimes when you know, the the toothpaste is out, it's, it's hard to put it back in the tube. So I, I think that's going to be the difficult part about this. If I'm already in it, if I'm an athlete, what incentive do I have to, um, you know, uh, let them put these guardrails in? Now, there does still at some point you have to, I, I guess, acknowledge that the NCAA does have some power sure. to say you cannot play under our banner. Yes. So that's still a factor. I think, but how much pushback do you get if the guard ro- if the guardrails um, tug too much? And I did look it up. Bo Nix, who at the time was at Auburn, Auburn yeah. was one of the original. Sweet Tea. Yeah, it was Milo's Sweet Tea, which I myself am a very big fan of. 
Uh, that was one of the first legitimate NIL deals that did drop very quickly as soon as, uh, well, I guess it was June 1 of 2021. We are now past the two-year mark, believe it or not, um, once all that officially became legal. And uh, we've obviously seen what's happened since. I don't, I, don't, I don't see the number figure of what that deal was. I, I don't imagine it was in the neighborhood of millions of dollars quite yet. No, it was probably, uh, let's be one of the first. And sure. I mean, there, there was actually some great value, I would imagine, in some of those NIL deals because they probably weren't huge financially. Sure. And they were getting shared everywhere, not just as an ad, but as, hey, this, this is news. Like, this has never happened before. So, and I, I thought, I mean, it was fitting that it was, you know, sweet tea in the Southeast. I mean, it, it kind of worked. But right. I remember at the time, all NIL deals for at least 48 hours were being treated like news items because yeah. it was it was so new. Just kind of scouring the internet here, it looked like his deal was around eight dollars $9,000 per semester. Again, very small in comparison to some of the deals that we've seen now. But again, but not it, bad. It, 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 not bad at all. And again, it was the very beginning. We didn't know how far this was going to go. And I go back to a couple years ago when, all the, when, the, when the wheels were kind of starting to turn on this thinking that it might come to fruition. I thought, yeah, there's I didn't think there was any way that college athletes were going to be making five, ten million dollars on these NIL deals. And I was certainly proven wrong by that because again at the end of the day in a, you know, uh, uh, capitalistic uh, economy, the market does set the price. Well I do think something lost in all of this, Tyler, for me, is that y- you look now and, and a lot of guys will maybe especially guys that maybe played 20, 30, 40 years ago, and, and what could they have made then? Well, the biggest difference between then and now, even for the guys 20 years ago, sure, is not just the internet. Yeah. It is, and the internet certainly is like the platform for all of it, but it's social media. Yes. Now you have put in place a uh, precedent of influencers making money. Sure. So college football athletes in some ways are, are, are kind of like influencers, I think. And yeah. A lot of them, they're the ones that are making just the the big, 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 big money. It's obviously their social media following. Right. So, you know, 20 years ago, you didn't have people that had Instagram and had, you know, 900,000 followers on there. So right. I, I think that's been a big part of this equation. It, it may, it probably would have been much different if it would have happened then. Now, there was still going to be opportunities. There were still going to be situations where guys could make some money. At the time, the amount of money that's in college athletics now was not sort of floating around either. Yeah. So um, I, I think it's just kind of this um, – you have two things sort of crossroading with each other in that um, influencers now make – if they have a, a big enough following, they make, sure. they can make millions of dollars. So it's it's kind of similar, I think. And there that was kind of one of those things that there were some college athletes before NIL became legal that were kind of – skirting the system a little bit by having things like a YouTube channel. There was that kicker at South Florida a couple of years ago that, you know, was basically quit college football so we could have this YouTube channel where he was making money because the NCAA said, hey, it's not, you're not allowed to do this. This is mm-hmm. not legal under our rules. But now again, it does afford those opportunities for guys like for uh, student athletes to have those kind of avenues. And we talked about, you know, some of the student athletes that have come in here, they've talked about things they're doing on TikTok and being able to, you know, market that and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, 20, 30 years ago, if you weren't on, in a TV commercial or on a billboard or in radio spot, there weren't a whole lot of avenues to advertise on that would make you attractive to some of these other brands. But now it's, it's pretty much infinite things you can do with these. Yeah. And I, I think while 
you can probably point to quite a few different things for the driving force of NIL, you know, becoming uh, legal for guys to make pay or guys and girls to receive payments from. If you look back, yes, the the EA Sports game and and sort of everything that came from that is probably one of the big driving forces. I I think if you really sort of dialed in on it, the situation with that South Florida kicker and just sort of really not him specifically, but the implications of that, the fact that he was making money on a different platform sure. because of he had a personality and he was good at it, yes. and them thinking they had the reach to say, you can't do that. Right. And how th- that was still kind of, I guess, a new thing at the time. But now, I mean, how many different people are making money off of that very, very thing now? So I, right. I think that maybe is just as much of a driving force in all this, even though it's not talked about as much as, you know, maybe the, the video game and all the, uh, you know, the, the Ed O'Bannon um, suit and all that stuff. Right. And the thing when NIL came about two years ago is people thinking it was just going to drastically change what we see on the field record or whatever it may be. And, and through two years... Game doesn't look any different to me. No, it, the game looks great. I mean, we, uh, we, I mean, your Georgia Bulldogs smashed, um, you know, their opponent in the actual final game. But the college football playoff itself, um, you know, the two semifinal games were were really, really good and really, really entertaining. Right. And we we saw, I mean, I dare say the ratings probably didn't drop at all this year. I haven't looked at them, but uh, I think the the game itself, it's kind of weird. The game itself on the field is still in a fantastic spot, even though, I mean, there's a lot of hardcore fans out there who will sit there and say, I hate this NIL stuff, hate this transfer portal, but they're still watching the games. Well, is that what you're thinking about when you're watching your team play at 3.30 on a Saturday? That quarterback's making $2 million. That doesn't sit well with me. No, he threw four touchdowns and we won the game by 13 points that's that's what you're worried about that day until he's making that money and throws four interceptions then then it may be yeah then it does but i mean you see that in professional sports sure too so i mean that that's not that um you know different than than other sports i think no absolutely uh all right uh, again thanks to jamie smith for coming and hanging out with us for the garnet trust hour and if you missed any of that conversation i'll have it up in just a little while on the 107.5 The Game uh, podcasting page. On the other side, uh, we finally found out the uh, time and days of South Carolina's Super Regional as they head down to Gainesville this weekend. Talk about that next and preview that on the other side. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. We tell you about it every single day, and that's because Firehouse Subs has a sub of the day for every single day, even on Saturday and Sunday. Today is Tuesday, of course, and y'all know what that means. That is Turkey Bacon Ranch. That is Tyler's favorite sub. That is Juice Wells' favorite sub. It is one of my favorite subs. I have about three or four on rotation. That means you can get the sub of the day, a medium for $7.99, a small for $5.99, but we always go with the medium. $7.99, rapid rescue, order online. Pull up the app. That's the easiest way to do it. You can click around on there, pick your toppings, change it around if you want, and they will put your sub and your chips in a bag on the shelf. It'll be sitting there waiting for you. Completely efficient, easy way to do it. Get your get your lunch at Firehouse Subs. Again, firehousesubs.com, Rapid Rescue. Order online. And today for $7.99, a medium turkey bacon ranch. You can't beat it. Previewing the Gainesville Super Regional 
Up next on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, 107.5 The Game. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 1075 The Game. 2 2 offering. Cut out and miss. Florida is headed back to the Super Regionals. Led by stars like Wyatt Langford. The Gators are back in the Supers for the first time since 2018. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 Game. Tyler and Wes, along with you, that was the call yesterday on ESPN as Florida took care of Texas Tech 6 to nothing down there in Gainesville to punch their ticket to the Super Regional where they would take on the uh, Gamecocks coming up this weekend and as Wes mentioned in the last hour the Garnet Trust hour we have learned what the start times of the uh, first two games are at least uh, obviously uh, Friday night at uh, six o'clock on ESPN2 and then Saturday game two will be at three o'clock also seen on ESPN2 and of course those two games will um, be heard right here on 107.5 game and if there's a third game if necessary that will take place on Sunday a time to be announced later um, but uh, as far as things go with Florida playing on Monday and South Carolina playing on Sunday. And yes, you have the travel day factored in there. A little bit surprised that uh, we didn't get this bumped from a Sunday through Monday series. Yeah. And I, I don't know what all went into the decisions and, you know, obviously you had other series that went into Monday as well. So I, I don't know what all went into it, but I, I don't think by then that it'll be a huge effect on Florida. You know, I, I think obviously they had to do a little bit more than South Carolina. They were stretched a little bit more and push to the brink, unlike South Carolina. Um, but hey, that's that's part of it. That's some there's some value there if you're South Carolina for just taking care of business and you get an extra day's rest and uh, you get to get ready and you already kind of knew. All right, it's going to be one of these two opponents, so you could maybe get a little head start on both of them. But yeah, here it is, SEC opponents. You know, Carolina. Uh, you, you sit there, you say, all right, you're two wins away from Omaha, and it's a team that you swept. And and so I, I don't know mentally. It's going to be interesting to see mentally you have one team that's out for for whatever it's worth, revenge, and, uh, sure. you know, they got to get the better of South Carolina because South Carolina swept them versus the mental edge of knowing, hey, you defeated this team soundly. Yep. You know, you didn't just win the series. It was not one of those series that came down to two pitches this was a situation where you brought them to your house and you you won all three games. So I, I think there's an edge that comes to that. So I, I I don't know ultimately what that matters on the field, if it matters or not, but it certainly will be talked about right. leading up to this. And, you know, I, I think, you know, you and I talked about this yesterday. There's some value now to knowing it is a three-game series. Uh, best of three. You yeah. know, it could be two. But point being – you know, you kind of know where the finish line is. Sure. If you're playing in a regional, you don't actually know where the finish line is. And so you, it, it's kind of a awkward way as far as managing your pitching staff. In this case, you manage it almost the way you would with a little bit shorter leash in game, I think, but almost the way you would during a regular SEC series. And I do think you, you brought up a great point yesterday, Tyler. What is Will Sanders' role this weekend right 
And um, I tend to think it's still out of the bullpen because I think you can use him to win a game one or game two. Mm -hmm. If for some reason it got to a game three and you hadn't used him yet, then I think certainly he's on the table, even if it's more of like an opener type thing, you know, where it's – I look at opener like, hey, get us through the order once. Yeah. And so I think that's possible. Could could he pitch an inning in a game one and be an opener in a game three? I would think that would be on the table as well. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think you've got a, a pretty solid one-two with uh, Hicks and Mahoney, you know, for your Friday and Saturday starts. And then, yeah, if you get to a game three, you hopefully don't have to. You just take care of them and on a Friday and Saturday and, and don't have to worry about that third game. Then you can have the conversation of, okay, how much will we use Sanders? You know, what do we want to go with Becker? What, what's the decision here? Um, I really liked what we saw out of Sanders coming out of the bullpen, um, you know, in the regional. And obviously those are low-pressure situations because you were up by a lot in both those games. And, you know, we knew he was on a short leash that, okay, if things got sideways, they could pull him. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, we knew that was big from a confidence standpoint. But, again, he does match up very well with Florida going back to what he did against them last season and then earlier on this season and that Friday start, easily his best start of the entire year. Um, so it's a conversation to be had. And, and again, hopefully you don't have to play a game three where you um, have to come to that decision, but it's an option that would be on the table. How about the emergence of Hicks in this conversation as well? I mean, this is a guy who was you know, going to be a starter last year. He was supposed to be a guy that uh, could help anchor your rotation. And it's a little bit overlooked because of some of the other guys that South Carolina has had. Yep. Has had a pretty good year, you know, for the most part, kind of in that weapon role that Kingston likes to call it. But I, I feel like he's taking it to another level as a starter. And some guys are just better in that starter role. It's easy to overlook, let's say, the start against Georgia. It's easy to be like, well, that's not a great baseball team. But coming into it, that was a team that that hit the baseball. Yeah. And, uh, you know, had a really nice lineup. And, and Hicks, I, I thought, obviously looked phenomenal against them. Central Connecticut State, I look at it more like he just did what he was supposed to do. But uh, the emergence of, you know, him in that role and what he's done, I, I think really makes you feel pretty good about South Carolina being able to make a run at this thing. I tend to think, Tyler, this is going three games. I, I don't know who's going to win it, but I think the teams are going to be close enough that Baseball kind of has a way when it's two tight teams of making it, of kind of evening out. And I would be a little bit surprised if either team is able to just take two. I, I think it, it goes a full three games. Well, from South Carolina's perspective, especially when it's a team that you're in the conference with, you know, beating them five games to nothing over the course of the season, that's a that's a tall task. Um, and, and obviously we'd love to see them do that on Friday and Saturday, but I agree with you. I think this is a series that likely goes to that third game on Sunday and uh, ends up being kind of the rubber match there. Um, you, you heard the call there uh, on ESPN at the end of the game against Texas Tech yesterday. Um, you know, Florida going back to their first Super Regional since 2018. They won the title in 17, go back to Omaha the year after and have not been back to a Super Regional since. So when you kind of look at these two programs side by side, both of them in a very similar position of trying to get back into Omaha for the first time in a handful of years. Obviously, Florida's been more recently, but when you look at the success both programs have had over the past couple of decades, you know, the expectations for both fan bases is, hey, we should be in Omaha more often than not, and for the past handful of years, neither team has gotten there. Were you were you floored? Like, I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize it had been that long since they had been in a super. Yeah, that was surprising kind of looking up their numbers um, yesterday preparing to talk about it today like wow since 
winning that championship and getting bounced the next year, yeah, they haven't been back to a super at all. And I, I feel like as far as baseball goes, these two programs will always be kind of linked. Sure. From from the fact that they played each other, you know, South Carolina beating Florida in Omaha. Yep. To the fact that, I mean, Sully was largely rumored to be a target for South Carolina when they ended up hired hiring Kingston. If he doesn't win that national championship, it's very likely chance he does come it, here. It very easily could have happened. And they were, uh, I believe, on the ropes from Wake Forest. Yeah. And end up coming back, making that run. And you, you can't leave a place sure. on the hills of, of winning a, a national title. So that, that was not going to happen at that point. But in an alternate reality, you know, maybe Sully does take the South Carolina job. And shoot, then maybe Kingston takes the the Florida job, yeah. uh, you know, because he he obviously would have had a great understanding of what uh, you know the the college baseball landscape was in that state. So th- these programs are forever linked, in my opinion. It's kind of it's a little bit fitting that they're going to be playing each other for the right to go to Omaha. Yep. I I think at this point this has been a successful season for South Carolina, but now that you are here, you want to win the thing, and you want to play well, and you want to represent yourself well. I think, like we talked about yesterday, everything came up aces for South Carolina in this regional. It sets up perfectly for them, and they they got a they got a good shot to do it. I I don't know if anybody can sit there and pick a winner in this thing. I think it's truly a coin flip. I don't I don't think you bet against either one of these teams at this point. Yeah, and for South Carolina, it's a way to redeem how last season ended, where you drop two or three down in Gainesville, <clears throat> then you face Florida in the first game, and. Hoover and give outs by them as well, ultimately ending your season. So uh, a lot of the line here for uh, both programs. I think this also is a little bit of an example of the fact that this is still, you know, this, this SEC conference and what you have to go through now, your expectations at South Carolina are always going to be extremely high. And I, I don't, I'm not saying it's okay to have a season like South Carolina did last year. Sure. You know, I'm not saying it's okay to finish under 500 at South Carolina. Like, I'm, I'm not saying we should normalize that with this program. But I just think, dude, it is harder than ever in this league to be consistently at the top of yes. it. And the fact that Florida, you know, hasn't been to a Super since 2018, I, I think, you know, that that's as good of a program as any. South Carolina is as good of a program as any. I saw the stat. I saw the graphic. Carolina is tied for third all time in super regional, uh, you know, births. So, dude, that that tells you what this program has been, certainly since they went to this format. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And again, when you look at you know uh, the SEC having half of the hosting bids in the regional, you know that uh, as much as a lot of people nationally maybe didn't like to see that happen. I talked about this yesterday, even Roddy Jones, who was doing the commentary on ESPN Plus for the Columbia Regional, was even saying in that first game against Central Connecticut State that he wasn't comfortable with that many SEC teams, uh, you know, getting the hosting bids. But, hey, if you're a powerful conference, you should get as many hosting bids as possible. If, you know, in two years, all 16 SEC teams are good enough to have hosting bids, they should all have them. It shouldn't be forcing parity or anything like that. But, but again, it goes back to how tough this league is and, uh, you know, trying to come out of it and get your way into Super Regionals. And, and Omaha is uh, harder than ever. No doubt. And I, I think you, you have better resources than anybody, you know, as far as SEC play goes. You have better resources to so the fans. Obviously, you're going to put higher expectations. But you look top to bottom – of this conference and 
there are, I would say not everybody, but pretty much everybody is putting resources. There's a lot of, you look around, there's a lot of new stadiums. You know, when South Carolina opened their stadium in 2009, it was, hey, this thing is the best out there. Well, now pretty much all the top SEC schools have either renovated or built new stadiums as well. So I think it's it's harder than ever, but the fact that South Carolina sits here, if, if you would have told, even with the ups and the downs, I, I think if you'd have told everybody, hey, take it or leave it, here's your record right now, 40-plus wins, and you're going to be going to Florida, you're going to be in a super, and you got a chance to, to win two games and go to Omaha and just let the let it land how it lands at this point. Would you take that? I think all Gamecock fans would say sign me up for that right now. So here we are. That's where it's at. Let's see what happens. And um, I, I think this team goes into that weekend with a ton of confidence. Yep. And you cannot, you cannot over, you cannot overanalyze what that might mean. I right. also think though, the pitching is going to take a big step up. So for Carolina, you're not going to score 19 runs in a game this weekend. You're not going to have the same outcomes that you had this past weekend. Sure, it's. I think the biggest key for them, Tyler, is to be able to continue to put together some of these at-bats like we saw, even if things aren't going well, right. even if you're getting frustrated, even if you're not getting put on base like they were this week with walks and hit-by-pitches and errors. It's going to be a different quality of game. It's going to be going to be a different style of game. I think, but for them, it's going to be about can you maintain that plate discipline and sort of grind out at bats because they didn't really have to do that this past weekend. Right. Again, first game coming up on Friday night at 6 o'clock, which you can listen to right here on 107.5. The game pregame coverage will be starting at 545. Uh, Up next, we'll dive into a little bit of recruiting and visitors coming to town this weekend. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5. The game. I want to tell everybody now about our friends at Integrated Media. By the way, very soon, Tyler, you see these cameras in here, man. So very soon, we've been telling people about this for quite a while. Um, They're going to be able to see us, and that is because of these high-res, high-quality cameras that our friends at Integrated Media have installed here in the studio. And guess what? I know you probably don't need high-res cameras in your office at your house, but maybe you want to upgrade that man cave. Maybe you want to put yourself, maybe you want to put a home theater system in. Maybe you want, this is one of my favorite things, when people have the external speaker outside of their house to where you're grilling out, having some people over, and you can still hear the music outside. Anything that has to do with your home, audio, or visual setup, our friends at Integrated Media in Chapin can help you out with that. Give them a call, 803-948-8327. Or go to integratedmediainc.com. Again, that's 803-948-8327. Recruiting talk next on the uh, uh, Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on 107.5 The Game, Tyler and Wes along with you on this Tuesday morning. And while the South Carolina baseball team will be heading down to Gainesville this weekend, there'll be plenty of things happening around campus here in Columbia as uh, 
Gamecocks get set to welcome in another group of uh, potential prospects this weekend as uh, they had quite a few uh, in uh, town over this past weekend that we talked a little bit about yesterday and uh, more coming up as uh, this very important month of June June uh, rolls along. Yeah, recruiting always big this time of year in South Carolina. Again, going to host three major official visit weekends and, you know, a situation where all these guys have different timelines and all these guys have different plans for when they want to announce. But for the most part, I'm seeing more and more prospects who take the approach of take my official visits during the summer and then make a decision during the summer so that I can focus on my senior year. So when you're talking about official visits right now, these are all 2024 prospects. These are all players who have one more year of high school left, and then a lot of them will enroll early at the school of their choice. Not all of them, but more and more guys are doing that, especially the top guys are going ahead and getting a head start, enrolling in January, going through spring practice. But um, sort of the way it has split up, June 2nd, that was this past weekend. Obviously, South Carolina had six official visitors on campus. We are still working through the final list. Um, I'll throw some names out there here in a second. But going to be, I would say, a similar number, if not a little bit higher this weekend. And then Friday, June 23rd, will be the final big weekend for South Carolina. That will be when they'll host several of their um, top remaining uncommitted targets as well as pretty much the entire committed class. So that's that's by design. They, of course, want some of these guys who are not committed to want to join the class, and that will be the case, just letting them spend an entire weekend around guys who um, you know, are already committed to the program. And in some cases, I mean, I, I thought this was a fantastic sign for South Carolina. You had Dante Reno on campus this weekend on his unofficial visit. Yep. Uh, Mazio Bennett was in town. I think Cam Pringle might have dropped by as well. But you had several guys who just took it upon themselves to get to campus and to spend their own time, energy, recruiting these other players to join them. And this is probably – I and I, I don't even know if I should say probably. this In this class, South Carolina has more guys who have put more time and effort into recruiting other players than any South Carolina class I have ever seen. There's been times when you have one or two guys from a class who do that, but I've never seen South Carolina have a class with so many guys that are doing that very thing. And we talked about this yesterday with the guys that were in town for this weekend. You heard a lot of uh, positive uh, things said from several of them about how their visit was. When you think about the guys coming into town for this weekend, what, if anything, uh, does that, what if, What kind of effect does that have on the guys coming in this weekend, having heard from the guys that were just here? You know, I, th- I think the guys pay attention to who is visiting where. I don't know if necessarily it's going to have a huge effect on where these other guys are going to attend. Now, may- maybe if there's a situation where maybe a player knows another guy really well, he, there may be a, a text or a DM sent like, hey, what did you think? Oh, you know, what do I need to expect, et cetera, et cetera. I'm looking at it right now. I don't know if there's a guy who is specifically connected to any of these other players except for maybe Elijah Newby. He's a three-star linebacker that is coming in. He actually attends the same high school as Dante Reno. Now, Dante obviously – transferred high schools this this previous offseason this offseason we're in right now going into this coming regular season he transferred high schools so this is not necessarily a situation where Dante's you know been 
playing ball with him for years and has played on his high school team for years or anything like that. I imagine there's some feedback, but it's not necessarily a huge major thing. For the most part, looking through this group, you know, it's going to be a situation where Carolina will uh, kind of fight their own recruiting battle individually with, with all these guys. But uh, some some highly regarded players, you look at Cam Michael, kid out of Georgia, four-star cornerback, Gamecocks battling Georgia for him. Nasir Johnson, four-star defensive line and lineman out of Dublin, Georgia, has offers from Florida State, Florida, several other schools. Malcolm Ziegler, he is a safety from North Carolina, four-star guy. South Carolina kind of battling UNC, it feels like there. And so really a, a nice list of prospects that, uh, again, I, I think will potentially grow as the week goes on. There's a couple of guys who've been on this list that it appears Carolina will not get into town. Justin Green, I need to take him off the OV list, and Jarvis Boatwright, both those guys committing to other programs here in the last couple of days with Justin Green committing to Georgia. Jarvis Boatwright, who's a three-star DB from Florida, committed to Southern Cal. And so I have not directly confirmed that they won't be taking those visits, but you would imagine Mm -hmm. if they – just committed to another school that they will not be taking those trips. Right. And as you mentioned, most of these guys are with the 2024 class, but we're always keeping our eyes down the road, especially as it pertains to one of the best players in the entire country for the class of 2025. We'll talk about Elijah Griffin on the other side. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 1075 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler and Wes along with you for a few more minutes before we hand things over to Jay and Terry for the halftime show. Continuing on the topic of recruiting and as expected, everybody has their eyes on 2025 prospect Elijah Griffin, defensive lineman out of Savannah, Georgia, 64270, who is a five-star recently on campus just a couple of weeks ago. And, and from recent things that he says, it sounds like South Carolina right there at the top of his list as far as schools he's considering. Yeah, Gamecock's still very much in this for what is right now the number one player in the country. Now, there are several guys who are going to vie for that spot ultimately, but Elijah is, I believe, the only five-star plus guy, which means he is a five-star on all four major services, which I think says a lot when there is some consensus about who he is as a player. But, yeah, he was recently on campus. That was his first time getting a chance to meet Travion Robertson in person, and we sort of were sitting there kind of waiting to see, kind of wondering what the feedback would be from that. Jimmy Lindsay obviously was very involved, had South Carolina in a good spot before he left, and... You know, Elijah was saying all the right things. He was saying things about South Carolina that he liked other than just Jimmy Lindsay. But you do wonder when that relationship is there, how it's going to affect a prospect's recruitment. In this case, it's still the same thing that it was before, and that's that South Carolina and Georgia are battling it out at the top. And obviously, you know, you look at what Georgia has done on the field. You look at Georgia's done recruiting and in their state. Ultimately, is it going to be tough to pull a guy like this out of Georgia that the national champs won't, of course. But South Carolina very much in this thing. He has a very open mind. He uh, spoke very, very highly of Travian Robertson, and he actually believes South Carolina is a program that is 
sort of on the rise. He was impressed with the way they finished last season. He mentioned that in particular, the way South Carolina beat Tennessee and beat Clemson down the stretch last year. So I, I think with a lot of these guys, yes, we talk about it all the time. One game doesn't make a, make up a recruit's mind, but when you finish the year by beating a couple of programs who people didn't expect you to, it certainly kind of opens the minds of prospects. And how much uh, kind of picking up the slack was Robertson having to do once he got here and Lindsey departed for LSU in terms of this specific recruitment? Because, again, Griffin had already established the relationship with Lindsey. Now Robertson comes in and is trying to kind of build that very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I- I'm not going to downplay the relationship he had with Jimmy Lindsey because Jimmy Lindsey did a fantastic job of getting Carolina in on him early, getting him on campus early and really identifying that this was going to be a top national recruit and treating him as so when he was even younger than he is now. You know, I remember Elijah visiting South Carolina's campus this time last year, and there was already talk from people I talked to about, like, hey, this guy might be the top prospect in the country for next for two cycles from now. And so that, that says a lot that they treated him like that right off the bat. You know, however, as we're seeing – Jimmy Lindsay actually did a good enough job of pointing out the other positives that exist at South Carolina. Jody Wright, who has that area in terms of recruiting territory, he was very involved as well and did a fantastic job with him too. So I think you have some things working in South Carolina's favor. He sort of likes the idea of maybe coming in and, and helping South Carolina raise the bar a bit as a program. And, um, you know, I think really it's going to come down to overall – you know, can Trayvon Robertson continue to build that relationship? I think it was key that Robertson got on the phone with him almost instantly. This was a huge priority to sort of make contact, get this visit set. I think the visit ended up being, I believe that was the 21st, but but basically within 24 hours of Trayvon Robertson being on campus, they were already setting things up to get Elijah Griffin on campus for whenever it worked with Elijah's schedule. So I, I think that went a long way. I think this recruitment has a long way to go. This is a big-time national offer list, so you know there are going to be twists and turns, but he is like pretty steadily said South Carolina and Georgia, which, you know, as you know, man, that's it's kind of more and more rare for sure. prospects to like tell you exactly what they're thinking. Right. A lot of them put out these huge, you know, this is my top 10, this is my top 12, this is my top 8. Right. Not that this is – not that other schools aren't still involved, because they are. He is still entertaining other offers. But sure. for him to tell you exactly where his mind is right now is it, kind of rare, and, and obviously it's a good situation for South Carolina. If you're a recruit, Nick, and you like watching film, if you like watching highlights, go watch this kid's huddle. He is impressive. Like, yeah. no doubt, five-star. Right, and, and reading the article on uh, GamecockCentral.com, one thing that sticks out to me about uh, a quote from Griffin is talking about Robertson, and he knows how to get to the NFL and everything that goes into it. And we talk about a guy that is a five-star. He's thinking, you know, what does five-star mean? That you're projected to be a number one or a first-round draft pick mm-hmm. when you get to the NFL. And when he sees a guy like Travion Robertson coming to South Carolina that has been there himself, and yes, his NFL career wasn't, you know, as long as he would have liked it to have been, he still got there, and that's big for a recruit like Griffin to to be with a guy like that that knows how to get you to where you want to go. And we've seen Shane Beamer really put a – I don't know if you say it's the number one priority. It's probably not. But it it is a trend now that guys he has, has hired have either been in the NFL themselves, in the case of Travian, or have coached at some uh, particular level in the NFL. So 
I, I think that's something if you're South Carolina, you keep pushing, and it's something obviously that Elijah has taken notice of. And a lot of times things I see, Tyler, is that whenever recruits say stuff like that, they're kind of parroting what they're being told by the staff. So yeah. generally what they're saying is kind of what is likely South Carolina's recruiting pitch for him. Right. And we'll continue to keep our eye on that recruitment and obviously keep our eye on the guys that are coming into town for their visits this weekend. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, halftime show with Jay and Terry, coming up next, 107.5 The Game. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.